This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Health Yeah. I'm Monica Robbins, and thank you for tuning in to your prescription for the best in clear, concise medical health and wellness information. And I sure hope you'll subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You know, May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. And for those of us living in Northeast Ohio, getting a little splash of sun t- sunshine is always a huge respite, especially getting us through winter. But You need to know that about 4,600 Ohioans will develop melanoma this year, according to the American Cancer Society. It is the sixth most common cancer in women and fifth most common cancer in men. And today we're talking to dermatologist and skin cancer expert, Dr. Jorge Garcia of Apex Skin Care. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Monica. All right, let's start from the beginning. Um, What causes skin cancer? Is it just the sun or is there more to it? You know, there's a lot of risk factor for skin cancer. And I, I, this comes all the time with my patients. I tell people it's a combination of genetics. You know, a lot of people, uh, if you're, you know, really light skin with blue eyes and light color hair, freckles, you know, you, you are more going to be more susceptible to the sun. You can't change that part. But also, you know, occupational exposure to sun or direct sun exposure through your lifetime. So, you know, if you're a boater or you're a gardener or around here, a lot of people are out in the summertime. Um, so, you know, it's, it's if you have a lot of blistering summers as a child, things that we don't think about when we were little kids, we're out there running around. Um, so that all parts are part of risk factor. But there are people that that by, you know, they're they're more susceptible because they're taking medications. For example, people that are immunosuppressed, like um um, organ transplant patients, if you had a kidney transplant or, or a heart transplant, if you take, you know, biologics for psoriasis or for lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, some of those medications work by, by lowering your immune system. So by that, it makes you more susceptible really to the UV rays. So those are all kind of risk factors that I tell people, hey, you know, be proactive. Um, obviously, if you have a personal history of skin cancer, that make you more susceptible as well, but a family history too. So when we go through our questionnaire, we always talk about, hey, do you have a a mom and dad with with melanoma or something like that? Because that's important, puts you in a little bit different category, because if you have a family history of it, then sometimes you may get it too. So, you know, the American Cancer Society says 4,600 Ohioans will get melanoma, but, you know, that's not the only type of skin cancer either, right? Mm -hmm. Can you kind of go through, like, what are the different types and also do all of them potentially lead to melanoma? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So the statistic that you see a lot is one in five Americans will develop skin cancer during their lifetime. Obviously that doesn't refer to melanoma. Melanoma, it's in a little bit of a different category, um, but the most common types of skin cancer are ones that are called basal cell carcinoma and then squamous cell carcinoma. Those are the top two by far. For example, million, the three or four millions of basal cells every year in the US. Um, the good thing about it is that if you diagnose it early, any of those three, melanoma, squame, or basal cell, you got a 95 plus percent cure rate, you know, or five-year survival rate. So it's a really good thing for the, for, for the kidney cancer community. Um, in terms of um, melanoma and how to treat it, we can go through that a little bit later, but basically none of them, each cancer is individual. 
So basal cell will not turn into a melanoma or a squamous cell is not gonna turn. So if you got a basal cell, that basal cell stays there. You know, squamous cell, they don't convert into each other. Different cells of origin, there's different type of behavior of the cancer, but it does make you more susceptible to developing other ones. So another statistics that I tell people is 50% of people that have had one skin cancer will have another one within five years. So that's why it's important for us to follow those guidelines from, from the NCAA, NCNN guidelines, which are every six months, you can need to do have a skin check if you have a history of skin cancer. What about for Northeast Ohio? Because, you know, we, we're sun addicts, you know, after we get through wind, uh, winter. So how serious is it for Northeast Ohioans to really be aware of skin cancer and, and their risk? I tell you, we have tons of skin cancer, people walking around with skin cancer without knowing it. A few things about skin cancer that will shock people is skin cancer, especially basal cell or squamous cell, it really looks like nothing. It looks like a pimple. Usually most common patients will say, hey, this thing is like a pimple that I thought I popped it a couple of times, but it's still there and bleeding. And then they go see you. So skin cancer really usually doesn't hurt. It just kind of sometimes it's just there and people think it's a blemish or it's a beauty mark. So you have to be very proactive. You know, in Northeast Ohio, as you said, that a lot of people are out in the community are doing a bunch of stuff in the summer, which is great. Um, I tell you, another thing that's a, uh, in, that we see a lot here is a lot of indoor tanning exposure. There's a big community here that go and get, get indoor tanning to get their pre, pre-tan, so to speak, before they go to Mexico and things like that. Well, we know now that that's a, that's a risk factor for, for melanoma. And we see um, um, some rates of skin cancer in the younger population because of that. But, you know, I, I think that uh, even in Northeast Ohio, where we have a lot of snow and it's cloudy, there's definitely a lot of skin cancer in here, in, in, in our region. Yeah, I think that's something people don't realize. Even when it's cloudy, you're still getting exposed to those UV rays. Is it something that you really need to wear your sunscreen 24-7 almost? <laughs> well, I always tell people, you don't have to live in a cave, right? You got to live your life because that's the whole point, right? You can't really stop living. But I do think that we need to be proactive and, you know, don't go indoor tanning. Don't go, I'm going to go get a tan. I mean, I know back in the day, being a tan was cool. But I think a lot of now the, the younger population are starting to kind of to think a little bit differently. Um, so I do think that, hey, keep doing your activities, be outside, be, be outgoing. But if you need to wear sunscreen in your face, concentrate on face and hands. You know, that's this is where we see most of the skin cancer and the higher risk skin cancer is usually head, neck or hands. Um, so concentrate on that. Or, or maybe if you want to take it the extra level, start buying the UV protected clothing. Some people do that. I do that for my kids. That way it's, it's easier instead of lathering you up all with all that stuff, you know, just put a shirt on, you know, <laughs> put a hat on. I wear a lot of hats, obviously. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just being proactive, but at the same time, you know, keeping it real too, you know. Who's most at risk? Men, women, kids, what? Well, I would say that men um, over 50 are usually at risk because they've been kind of 50 plus years of, of sun exposure and men's don't, don't use products or nothing. I'm, 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 a, I'm one of those guys that I say, eh, I don't need anything. Um, but I can tell you that melanoma, this is a crazy statistic. Melanoma is the highest uh, reason of skin cancer death in younger population for ladies, like in the age of 18 to 30. I mean, think about that. Like, so the younger patients are dying from melanoma um, at a higher rate. And it's because melanoma, it looks like a mole and it doesn't hurt. So a lot of people, you know, 
by the time they show up uh, into our office, it's a little bit too late or too, uh, it's more invasive that we need. So I would say, you know, definitely the, the older men are more at risk. You talked about, you know, um, how basal might look like a blemish or a pimple or melanoma might look like a mole kind of walk me through the, what people need to know, what they need to look for on their skin, you know, Mm -hmm. specifically, or, you know, when it's time to seriously go get checked. Perfect. So there is a a really easy mnemonic to, 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 to remember for, 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 for patients. Uh, It's called A, B, C, D, E of melanoma. So A is asymmetry. Think about a mole being completely round. If it's not symmetrical, that's a that's a, a check in the box. B is borders. If you have irregular borders within a mole, C is color. If you have a mole that's different colors, that is blue or gray or black or changing colors, uh, D is diameter. So anything that's bigger than a pencil eraser, probably we should remove or or at least evaluate. And E is evolving. So anything that's changing, if you got something that's getting bigger or, the, or, that's shrinking, or something that's getting crusty or something that's painful, um, those are really big um, signs that the body's telling you, hey, this is changing. Um, so, you know, I always tell people, be proactive. You know, if you see something changing, um, the skin biopsy procedure is a very simple procedure. It's not very, you know, invasive. It's like a little scrape of the skin, but we get tissue and we can rule out skin cancer and if it is a skin cancer you know hopefully we got it early enough so that you know we take it out and you move on with your life and you're you're back in the game so what's involved with surgery relating to skin cancer because i know a lot of people are afraid they don't want huge scars all over themselves or you know you take a huge hunk of skin so what's involved yeah so there's different types of of treatment of skin cancer and and the way i always we always try to um, take to talk to the patient through the journey about these are the options. The, the, there's surgical options and then there's non-surgical options. So the surgical options are the ones we usually recommend if the patient can undergo the surgery because that's, those are the ones that give you the 95 plus percent cure rate. There's a lot of advantage of doing the surgery because you have pathology checking the margins and you making sure that cancer's out. That's really the advantage of it. But you're right, to, to remove it, you have to, you have to cut it right? So you're going to have a little scar. And that's why I think it's important to go to a place that does skin cancer for, 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 that's what we do for a living. You know, just like when you go to a cardiologist, they do a heart. Well, when you, when you go to a skin cancer, you got to go to a skin cancer surgeon. Um, but I, you know, there are sometimes people that are in their nineties or, you know, they have a lot of comorbidities and they can't go undergo surgery. So we have others, other treatments. There are, there are chemo creams that we can use. There's light therapies that we can use. There's, there's a scraping and burning technique that we can use. Again, all those at a, last, a lot less cure rate because they, you're not checking to see if you got it all. You're just getting a cream on it. So it's almost like putting a little patch on it and see, kicking the can a little bit. But sometimes we do that. If you have a 95-year-old person you know, with a skin cancer on the hand, well, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of doing a big surgery on these people, especially the thing is there, you know, so we try to, we, tr- we try to uh, concentrate on quality of life. And, you know, we had the discussion with the family and make sure we get the right approach to the person. Um, but you're right, you know, to, to, to your point, um, when we do a little bit of a surgery on the skin, um, there's a little bit of a scar, but, you know, dermatologic surgeons are trained in, in making, you know, this procedure so that you have you know, if you're going to have a scar, we'll have a scar that's hidden or we do it in ways of reconstruction. So, so that you, it really looks nice. Nobody's going to really 
to, to, to ask you in the, in the grocery store, oh my God, what happened to your face? You know, we, we are trained in doing reconstruction of faces and scalps and hands so that, you know, you probably will look at the scar because that's how we are as human beings, but other people may not even notice it. What's the most common type of surgery that you're doing almost every day? The one I do um, almost every day is called Mohs micrographic surgery. And that is really um, the gold standard to treating skin cancers of the face um, or larger cancers of the trunk. So I'll tell you how it works. It's, it's a very cool procedure, very patient friendly. The way it works, the patient comes into our office, usually with a little area. Uh, we numb it with a little tiny injection, just like you're in the dentist. Um, and then we take a little piece. I take a little piece around the tumor about a millimeter around it. And then we take that little piece and we take it to our lab. We have a, a CLIA certified lab in our office where we have a system where we process the tissue. And then 10, 15 minutes later, the tissue is already stained and cut. And I have it in the microscope slide and I look at it under the microscope. And then that's where we do the, the, the checking of the margins. We look at the entire periphery around the cancer and the deep edge as well. And then we determine if the skin cancer is clear or not. If you're clear and you're done, and then we put a little few stitches in there. If you're not clear, which oftentimes happens because the cancers are a little bit deeper or something, then we take another layer. So the whole point of the most surgery is really to completely remove the tumor, but at the same time, conserve as much skin as possible in, the, in, those, in those sensitive locations. It's a 99% cure rate. And the patient usually within an hour and a half, you're out the door, um, cancer-free, it's really powerful. I tell you, I love my job because, you know, you get to connect with this. I, I'm blessed that I can, I don't have to spend 10 minutes with a patient and sp spend really two hours with them. So I get, we get to go know each other really well. And, and at the end, those patients are really, we form a really good bond. And then, but the cool thing is that they come out of that office cancer free and you can see the transformation in their office. You know, the patients are back to, back, back to going to their life. And, and that's, to me, that's what gives me motivated to go to work every day. It's like a, it's like a battle. And uh, patients really appreciate that. And, you know, um, I don't know, I'm very fortunate that I can practice and do what I love. We don't want to scare anyone, but I want people to understand that a skin check, if you do make that appointment to go in for a skin check, first of all, how often does the average person need to get their skin checked? You know, you mentioned earlier six months for someone who's already been through skin cancer, but for those who have not, how often do you need to get your skin checked and what's involved with a skin check? Mm -hmm. Yep, that's a great question. So the way we I always tell people the skin check, the total body examination is really not an invasive procedure at all. You come into the office, you we give you a gown. Um, and it's really an observation. You know, we basically look at your scalp, look at the hair, look at the hands and the nails. We basically just look at your body, you know, look for anything that's atypical. As dermatologists, we're trained to look at little moles. And, you know, sometimes we have a little device called, called the dermatoscope where we kind of maybe take a look at it a little bit more closer. But it's really, it's very non-invasive. It's, it's basically observation. Um, it, obviously, if we find something, then we'll mark it and we talk about a possible biopsy. Um, but it's really uh, very easy on the patient. Um, it's nothing invasive. We're not probing or prodding, anything like that. Um, and I, you know, really, um, once you turn 18, I always tell people once a year, it's important to get your skin checked, especially if you have a lot of freckles, especially if you have a family history, um, you know, what, once a year is what it's appropriate. Um, it's these things are covered by insurance, um, especially if we need to do a biopsy or things like that. So, you know, it's something to, you know, I would say, uh, 
I always tell people on your birthday, check your birthday suit. That's the most important thing, right? You, you also have to check your, yourself. Um, a lot of our patients come in already with, with, hey, you know, this is changing. I mean, we, we spend 10, 15 minutes with you looking at your body, but you know your body. So you know what you've had. And if you've had something for 30 years there and I see it and I didn't like it and you tell me, oh, that's been there for 30 years, then I'm probably not going to biopsy it if, he, if he hasn't changed. But so a lot of our patients know their body and, and they already kind of know, okay, listen, this has changed. But if you've never had anything, it's, it's important to get a baseline, especially if you have a lot of outdoor exposure. Yeah. And, and also there's a lot of skin cancer in places you can't see, you know, Absolutely. you can't check yourself like in your hairline. I, I did a story on a, on a woman who had melanoma on the back of her hair and her, her hairstylist actually found it. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, the hairstylist are, are kind of our, our allies on this, you know, that they, they, a lot of people say, Hey, I was getting my hair done and they noticed something and there's a melanoma. I tell you another thing that's important to bring up in this podcast is really um, at different ethnic skin types also have skin cancer. So, you know, I'm from Puerto Rico, right? I don't, I don't have really, you know, light color hair or blue eye. I have a lot of Afro-Caribbean population in my practice. And I always tell them, listen, um, the people who have darker skin types can still develop skin cancer. But the, the tricky part is that they develop in, in areas that are usually it's like the opposite of the white people. Like the, 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 it's in, it's in sun, non-sun exposed areas. So they'll get it in the buttocks or they'll get it in the nail or they get it in the bottom of the feet. So what's interesting is that we have to do a lot of patient education in, in the darker skin types because there's a lot of misconceptions out there that, oh, you know, I'm, I got a little darker skin, so I'm, I'm protected. I'm good. I don't, I don't, I don't have make skin cancer. Well, if you talk to any African-American community or, or, or any darker skin type, you, they'll tell you, yeah, I get burned if I go to Cedar Point. You know, I, I, I get burned if I'm in the sun. It's just that they don't get red like, we, like, like, like some of the Caucasian people do. But, um, but patient education is important just to make sure that they know, hey, if you see something different and it's changing, well, you know, you, you, you too can get skin cancer. So they get a check too. And, and it happens, you know, probably once or twice a month that we see somebody with, with an aggressive melanoma because they thought it was nothing and they waited. So that's the thing. The ethnic skin types will come into the office, but they'll have more aggressive cancers because by the time they show up, they waited too long. So we, we're doing some education on that. So should people of color wear sunscreen? Absolutely. I tell people every race and color of the skin, SPF 30 or above is what most people need. Um, you know, when, when you talk about skin cancer prevention, the, the thing that you could do is we're talking about sunscreen, you know, every, I get these questions asked all the time. Hey, what sunscreen do I need? You know, do I really need to get the SPF hundred? Um, I always tell people, listen, it depends on what you're doing. You know, even in Ohio, you, we should have been using SPF 30 or above in a moisturizer form. Right. So, you know, I'm not telling people just put your, put, you know, pull all that, you know, some of these moisture, some of these sunscreens are greasy or, or thick. So that's just when you go out, that's when you go to the boat and, or to go to the pool, you know, but on a day-to-day -day basis, there's a lot of good moisturizers that has an SPF already in it. And when you put it on, it's very light and you at least have protection on your face. Um, obviously, if you're going to be out in the sun, then you do have to wear the thicker ones or the SPF that are higher or reapply it. But um, I think SPF, and another thing I always tell my patients is look for two things in the label. One of them is titanium you know, the chemical kind of, if you look at the ingredients, make sure you have either zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. Those two ingredients are re literally like a, like a wall 
of 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 towards the sun you know sun ray comes in it's like a wall the challenge is is that a lot of this um sun sunscreens it's hard to make a very elegant product with those chemicals because they're thick but the technology is getting better and better and now there's you know, there's a lot of sunscreens out there that, that have really good percentage of zinc or titanium and really protect you and still feel elegant. So the, the technology is getting better. You know, there's so many different price points of sunscreen and different name brands and that sort of thing, you know, and then you see the generic forms. Is one just better than the other? Should I spend the money on better, what I think is better sunscreen? Or is it just bottom line, look for those two ingredients? I think at the end, it's it's number one is um, how they feel on your skin. So there, there's a lot of people with sunscreen sensitivity or allergy. So I always tell people before you do put anything on your face, put a little test spot on your on your hand or something and go spend a day there because sunscreen allergy is very prevalent. And I always tell people the chemicals are the chemicals, right? You, you can buy something really, really fancy and something really kind of, you know, in, in, in any pharmacy and they're the same chemicals. But there is some value to putting something on your face that feels good on your face. So that some of the more the higher end products, I think they they're better for the face. They're they're not really made for you to put it all over your body. That's when you can go get the, you know the big tubes in in, in the pharmacies. But I do think that if if you're you know if you're able to spend the thirty dollars, I mean, and again, I'm, I'm not talking don't spend a hundred dollars on, on a sunscreen. But you know, I would say thirty to forty dollars for for sunscreen on your face that'll last you for probably a month or two and that's a bucket day or something like that so it's really not that much i think there's there's some value to having that for the face but listen i go to costco i buy a bunch of sunscreen for my kids i spray that stuff on them you know it's as long as we're doing something but for your daily use i think it will be good if you especially concentrate on your face okay i'm going to admit something i'm addicted to self tanners you know, and because I, you know, everybody does look better with a tan and I want to have a tan. I'm fair skinned. So what's your take on self tanners? Are they dangerous? You know, and, and compared to the kind you go to the, the salon and get sprayed and the kind you can just buy at the local pharmacy and, you know, slather all over you. What do you think? I think self tanners are safe. I think they work terrific. There's a couple of ones that are really good. I, I encourage my patients to use self tanner. Um, I can tell you that there is a little bit of a misconception saying that, well, if I use a self-tanner, that is a sunscreen. So make sure, you know, that this separate thing. Um, but I think it's terrific. Spray tan works fine. If you have an event or something, that works fine. Um, anything that, that works, for, you know, I, I, I think that I encourage those things. That's better than going in, you know, getting a blister and sunburn or going to a tanning booth. And I mean, that's direct UV radiation in your body. And I think we know now that you know, it's, it's been documented that there's, there's some risk of melanoma or other skin cancers for that. Oh, and not just that, by the way, uh, this is funny because you put, you know, indoor tanning or, or tanning in general causes melanoma or whatever. People say, eh, but the, you put the same thing. A lot of the sun exposure causes wrinkles. People say, oh my God. <laughs> so th that, that's going to cause wrinkles or, or more pigment in your skin when you're in your fifties. So a lot of those people that are, that are getting a lot of tan now in the thirties or twenties when they're 50, that's when they're going to see some of the wrinkles or some of the pigment. I have a lot of women asking me when they go to the nail salon, you know, to dry their nails, they have to put their hands in the UV light thing. Is yeah. that dangerous? You know, I tell you, I've seen, this is very rare skin cancer under the nail. Okay. But we see them occasionally. And I always ask, Hey, do you do a lot of manicure where you put, and often the question is, is yes. So 
you know, I, I don't know there's a, if there's a lot of studies out there that are linking that, but I tell you, it makes sense, right? If you're doing UV light in your hands, definitely you can get a lot of hands cancer for that. So I don't know, you know, I, I think that I've seen that happening. So I always ask the question, um, you know, listen, Manny and Petty, you got to get those, you know, right? Especially in this time of year. But I don't know, you know, I always think, you know, I guess if you do it, it's like anything, right? You do it a little bit, you're fine. But, you know, if, you, if you're constantly under that light, it's like being in a tanning booth, but in your hand. So, you know, I'd be proactive with that stuff, but I, I can't link the two completely. <laughs> uh, you mentioned something earlier, and I, I want to go back to it because I think it's very important for people to understand. You said you have a CLIA certified lab. That's really important. Can you explain what that means? Yes. So any most surgeon that, that you know, any, any lab really in the country needs to be CLIA certification or CAP certification, depending on what type of stuff you're doing. That's basically a certification that people from like third parties come in and to make sure that you have all the log books ready, all the temperature checks. There's a lot of things in the lab that are there to, to help us. There's, there's a lot of equipment. And this, these certifications are to make sure that we do it, our job to make sure that the equipment is taken care of, that they we're, we're calibrating the things. It's basically a way of keeping you honest and decent say, hey, we're going to check your lab every couple of years to make sure you're doing this, this, and that. Just like any other career or people have inspections and things, that's, 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 and I think it kind of raises the quality of the, the level that you're doing. So I would say that anybody in healthcare that has a lab in their office um, that are doing, you know, what they call high complex procedures will have CLIA certification. So it's something that we have to do. If, if you don't have that, you can't do anything. So, you know, it's a good way to kind of, make sure that you're doing your, the right thing. So I think it's important. All right, there is no way in health I want people just Googling anything. So give me some legitimate websites people should check out if they wanna learn more about skin cancer or any skin issue they may be dealing with. Listen, I always send my patients to the American Academy of Dermatology website. You can Google American Academy of Dermatology, Melanoma Foundation, Melanoma Research Foundation. Um, there's, there's another company or, or organization called Skin Cancer Foundation. They have a lot of important information. Uh, in our group at Apex Dermatology, we have our, our website is apexskin.com. We have really good information too with, with blogs about what to do for your skin. So that's, you can start there too. This is just generalized blogs, um, but definitely, you know, do your research. Don't just Google melanoma and then self-diagnose. It's important for people to be proactive and I tell you, another very important thing, and I'm glad we're, we're bringing this up, is because of COVID, a lot of people have delayed generalized cancer screening in general because they're afraid of going to the doctor. And so I'm seeing it in, in my patients now, that patients that delay treatment or delay diagnosis. So I encourage everybody now to really be proactive and, and, and go get checked, whether it's a colonoscopy or prostate or, or skin case screening. It's important because... Um, you know, we, we, we are now, you know, looking at deeper cancers and more aggressive cancers because really for the last year and a half, nobody has gone anywhere. But now we, we're start, starting to reopening. And I think that now patients feel more comfortable coming back to see the doctor. And, and it's important to, to kind of, you know, don't delay it anymore. Just get to see your doctor and get checked. I, I would be remiss in asking you, and every woman listening to this would be angry with me if I didn't ask you. I have a dermatologist with me right now. So best wrinkle treatment, give me something. What should people be looking for? What should people 
you know, care about. And also, you know, we're dealing with allergy season right now. So those bags under your eyes, what can we do to reduce that? Well, I tell you, skin aesthetic dermatology 101, sunscreen in the morning and, and something with retinol in the, in the evening. So whether it's retin-A, which is a prescription or retinol, which is a little bit less aggressive, if you can do that every night, and by the way, I always tell people, when you start that regimen, do it every other night because you're going to peel a little bit when you start these creams. That's what the cream does. It kind of peels your skin. But you got to treat through that. If you can tolerate those two things, that, by the way, the retinol works really awesome for prevention of fine lines and wrinkles down the line. Once you had those two in board, then you start adding to it. So we always add, then the next level is the antioxidants like vitamin C and E. There's some serums that you can use for that. For the, for the, for the little darker things around the eye, a lot of times vitamin C works really well there. Um, this is a really tricky area to treat. So be careful, whatever you put on your eyelids, eyelids are sensitive, but there are some, some good eyelid creams that you can use. Nothing is perfect for that. I can tell you that, you know, don't spend thousands of dollars on that stuff because there's the technology is not there yet to get rid of some of those little bags or, or the swelling or the darkening of the eyes. But there are a little bit of, there's some creams that work. Um, and I can tell you that there are also um, pads or other creams that work for pigmentation. So a lot of people, you know, you have blemishes. You can use those kind of um, anti-blemishes anti cream that, that you can get, you know, in the mall or in our website or any, really anywhere. They, they work really well. But remember, sunscreen too, because that prevents more of that. And then in the other, in the other arena is Botox and fillers. So, you know, if you, if you are into the, into, in, if you like to get rid of some of the fine lines and wrinkles and have a more of a relaxed, we're doing that a lot now because the people were in the mass and Zoom. Now they see in their, their forehead lines. So people are coming back. I need Botox over here. That's a very safe procedure and it's very consistent. And I if you've never done any aesthetics, start with, with Botox first and give it a good shot. And, and that'll help you with the crow's feet, a little bit of forehead lines. If you like it, then you can go to the next level, which is fillers, which you can fill grooves and things like that. But those are very, very easy to do. And three, $400, it's really not that expensive as it used to be, very affordable. And a lot of people like it. Dr. Dr. Garcia, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Any final thoughts you want to leave people with? Nothing. You know, be proactive, have fun, keep you keep living your life. But remember, check your skin. And if you have anything, please come see us. Come to come to Apex. We have uh, same day appointments and uh, we always try to you know, partner with you. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone, follow me at Monica Robbins on Twitter and Instagram. Find me on Facebook at Monica Robbins WKYC. And all of my video podcasts like this one are uploaded to my YouTube channel, Monica Robbins. So please check it out and subscribe. Go to WKYC.com for all of your health news and check out our social media and YouTube channel as well. And make sure you get the appropriate sunscreen and take care of your sun, your skin this summer, everybody. Thank you so much, Dr. Garcia. Everyone have a healthy day. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah! with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.